Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. And uh, Dave, it uh, seems like a pretty busy week this week. Yeah, I think there's a big game. I don't know. So as of right now, recording at 7.30 Thursday night, we're still in anticipation that there will be a game. Who knows? <laughs> what happens well i mean by this time last week we had already found out there was not going to yes happen. that's why so we that's pushed good. it back at least yeah, today we, to maybe keep ourselves from talking about something that never happened for an hour that's like uh brett writing six hours spending six hours writing a preview on tulsa that basically uh got crumbled up and thrown away last well, Thursday morning teach him not to write such long articles that's what I said. <laughs> but um, look, uh, you know, you know, it's big. Like I, I, I've done uh, three, three radio things today. I was on a, did a hit for a national podcast. I think that comes out Friday, yesterday. Um, I've had a couple more requests. Uh, you know, you're back in the big time with, with two really good teams meeting up on Saturday night when, uh, all of a sudden, I need a booking agent to uh, yeah. to get me through the week. For sure, I, I'm gonna have to like I'm gonna have to be creative here because, uh, like I told you before the show, I did like 30 plus minutes on the Skinny Podcast today. Uh, I was on with Mo Egger this afternoon. I was on with Lance and Rocky Boyman right before we did this podcast. Uh, my takes are uh, pretty exposed; like they're out there right now. I'm gonna have to try to come up with some some new material for this year's show tonight, or I'm going to have to rely on your expert analysis uh, <laughs> even more, even more than normal. Yeah. Something like that. All right, let's get into it. Uh, no, no, no need in beating around the bush. It is number nine Cincinnati on the road at number 16 SMU nine o'clock kickoff in Dallas, eight o'clock central time. Um, strength on strength is what everybody's going to talk about this week. So we'll start there, Dave. I, I think, as I always do in these strength-on-strength strength matchups, I think the far more interesting thing is weakness-on-weakness, weakness, I guess, if you will. Or, you know, the area that SMU's not as strong, their defense, against the area that UC's not as strong, their offense. Uh, we'll get into that plenty as we we move along in this podcast. But strength-on-strength, strength, as, as Brent po- pointed out uh, in his article today, Shane Buchel, the leading passer uh, in college football right now in terms of career yards, over 10,000 careers. He's been there for 100 years. He's been playing for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, there's people talking about him as potentially. I I think he's got a shot to be one of those guys that like 10 years from now is still in the NFL. Like he's made like $25 million and he started like four games. Like, like, uh, <laughs> was it Chase, Chase Kaufman? Yeah. Not Chase Kaufman, Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel, from, yeah, Chase from Missouri. Daniel. He's, yeah, he's kind of made quite a, quite a career as a backup. You know, I, I don't know. I think, I think Michelle's better than that. I don't know if he's like a, I don't know if he's a real, like, NFL starter. But that's, that's kind of how, that's how you end up in that position, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're just maybe not quite good enough to be somebody's, like quote unquote franchise quarterback, but you are good enough and you throw well enough and you, you, you are good in the pocket and you've got enough athleticism that next thing you know, you look up 
uh, and you're signing your third NFL contract to uh, to back up Joe Burrow or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, the impressive thing to me is that everybody knows they're going to throw. He's thrown for, you know, God knows how many yards, and he's only thrown two interceptions in five, and they've played five games. Yeah. So to do that, I mean, either guys are just wide open, he's not putting the ball in bad spots, it's probably a combination of, of everything, but that's just impressive when you look at the number of throws and the fact that teams know that's what they're going to do. They're not catching anybody by surprise. Um just impressive that he's been able to take care of the ball on that kind of a level. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's what he's thrown for 1700 yards this season. He's number two in college football and passing um, on the 2020 season. So uh, it's not just a career thing. He's equally impressive through their, their start, their hot start to this season. Um, Did you get a chance to watch their game with, with Tulane? Uh, some, um, not, not a ton, um, but I did catch a little bit of it. Did It didn't seem like they really, I mean, obviously they did, but it didn't seem like they really missed Reggie Roberson a ton. And he's, he was their number one guy. No, um, not maybe. No, not in that game. They had three guys go over a hundred yards. So they definitely didn't miss him in that game. Uh, I do think they will miss him against GC yeah. just because, you know, the guy that is now it, – it, I may not miss so much at the top end, but just the having him out now makes the bottom end of the wide receiver group play significantly more snaps against UC's secondary. Um, I mean, they still have – in my opinion – Two pretty impressive guys. Danny Gray has four touchdowns on the year, averaging almost 20 yards a catch. And Rasheed Rice is their leading receiver with 24 catches, averaging uh, 17 yards per catch. And then they got a really good tight end, Kylan uh, Granson. He's got two touchdowns, about 14 yards of reception. So I think that's going to be an interesting one with what you see does defensively, you know, what we know. Wig can do, Fort Derek Forrest can do, do they I mean, in this type of offense, it's not he's a basically another wide receiver. Um so do you match up your safety? Do you try to put a linebacker on him to leave the safeties to help out, you know, the receiver the the, the corners, you know, just something to watch definitely there because you you see he's not played anybody to this point that has a tight end of note. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how coach Freeman decides to, to cover that. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you, we talked about this early uh, in the preseason or coming into the season. You think that maybe is a situation where you could see a third safety on the field, be it, be it Hicks or be it cook. Um, you know, we talked about potentially what they would look like, if you ran one of those other two safeties out there with Forrest and Wiggins, this would be a situation where it would at least seem like something you'd look at, right? Yeah, and it, the reason I think that you could possibly do that is they're, 
Their running game is a little misleading. I think they're, you know, if you just look at like straight up numbers, it doesn't, it's balanced. Like they rush for 200 yards a game and they throw the ball for, you know, whatever, almost 400 yards a game. But when you dig into it a little deeper, like one of those games was a total just blowout of yeah. Stephen F. Austin, I think. So I kind of just looked at like the North or really only kind of looked at the Memphis and the Tulane game who have pretty good defenses, I guess, but not anywhere near what UC has. So if you break those games down, I mean, they ran the ball 42 times against Tulane for only 3.3 yards a carry. One carry was a wide receiver reverse Jets, whatever you want to call it. Not a jet. wasn't yeah, a push pass, I think. The great kid. Pass. It was the a rush. Kid. Yeah, for 32 yards. So if you take that one rush out, they had 42, like 41 carries that averaged 2.6 yards a run. And in the Memphis game, they averaged 2.9 yards a carry on 26 carries. Their longest was 16 yards. So if you if you just take that one long run out, there's 25 carries for only 2.36 yards a carry. So you probably could, you know, knowing that your run defense is really good to begin with, that's not a strength of theirs. And if you want to really try to throw something at them from a a secondary standpoint, you probably could get away with three, sometimes four down, two true linebackers, and then three safeties. And on your quote, I mean, I guess with their offense, there's no real quote unquote rundowns, but on first and second down would be, you know, unless it's third and short, but you could probably drop that third safety down in as almost a linebacker, knowing that if it's a pass play, then you're covered. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something that I've always thought about with this defense. Um, and I think this could be the type of game to do that. And just because I, don't, I just don't think they can, they're going to really be able to run the ball against UC. They don't have a lot of depth at running back in general. Now that TJ McDonald's hurt. Ulysses, McDaniel. A great, great name. Ulysses Bentley, the fourth. Sounds important. Is there starting running back, but beyond him, like no one of note gets carries. Um, and and McDaniel was more of their between the tackles guy, who's out now. And Bentley is more like a speed guy, right? Five ten, one eighty five. He's not he's not busting you up the middle a whole lot. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I I can't say one way or the other. I just know that. He had more rushing yards, but McDaniel had more carries. But after those two, I mean, with just Bentley being the the lead guy now, anybody else getting carries is just getting carries to spell him. I mean, it's a drastic. It was like twenty five carries for one back, nine for the for the next. Like he, they're not. It's not like you see right. where you could see jokes at twenty four to thirteen, McClellan at seven. Like it's not. A distribution like that. I mean, it's pretty much a one-man show when they do run the ball. Yeah. Which they haven't really had to because um, their passing game has been so good, um, at least in against, you know, Memphis and Tulane, two AAC teams. They, they just really weren't able to run the ball, and it wasn't for a lack of not trying. I mean, you yeah, wouldn't two, think. 
you wouldn't think that a, a team that throws for as many yards as they do would run the ball 42 times in a game. Yeah, and, you know, it's – they want to obviously be multi-dimensional, but Bichelle's not really going to run on you. No, he's not running at all. He's only running for his life, basically. Like, right. there's no design to him at all. Which um, I think allows them to be a little bit more aggressive in their, you know, their pressure packages because you're not going to have to really hold him on the edge uh, for fear of him escaping the pocket and making a you you know, know, he's 30 definitely yard run looking, down the field. Even if he steps up, he's doing a probably doing a step up and slide still looking down the field, whereas like Dez would be stepping up to run right. at that point. So yeah, um, it's not anything. I don't see anything like that. Here, here's I guess kind of what I wonder. Uh, we saw a little bit in the Austin P game where Austin P was able to kind of hurt them with a lot of short underneath stuff. Uh, people think of this SMU team as a big play team, but they like to run a lot of quick underneath stuff too, right? I mean, they do, but it's. It's tough to – they're. I mean, they're, they, they will. I'm not going to say they won't. But, like, either the teams they're playing are in, the, in these specific instances are the worst tacklers ever. <laughs> because, like, Roberson had – before he got hurt, he had five catches for 200 and something yards, like an 80-yarder and a 90-yarder. And, I'm like, did, did they just throw a quick slant or a 10-yard out and then you know, no one's there? Like, are it's tough to imagine that you're that the way he was, and now these two other top receivers that are averaging over 17 yards a catch. That that's all coming on like five and ten yard air air throws, and then they're running for ten yards on top of that on average. So I think they're still trying to push the ball down the field. Now that top, they have the third guy Tyler Page. He's only averaging 11.6. He's he seems like you're more your on, you know, possession, underneath guy, yeah. slot guy, possession guy, you know, Danny Gray and Rashid Rice are your two outside guys. So, you know, they're going to have higher, uh, you know, averages just because they're running different route trees. So, Pressure on Bichelle. He's, he's been sacked nine times in five games. Um, they've got to find a way to get home on him. I mean, the, the, oh, that's sure. – yeah. There's they've, no, got, I mean, they've got a really good offensive line um, in terms of pass protection, it seems. You can't, so, you can't just let him stand back there. I mean, you know, so that, you know, being that that's the case, do you see – do you see the same game plan that was – not same, a similar game plan that was used against UCF or – last year or do you see more four because like if you go three you're not gonna get to him enough they're gonna go and, three three five i mean you know they're gonna go three three five right but they're gonna have to bring somebody from somewhere then yeah because it's just a different like ucf runs three routes yeah and you know the three they know you know the three routes they run they just assume you can't keep up with their pace and their speed. SMU's offense is much more like varied. And so I don't know if just 
playing the whole bend, you know, keep everything in front of you mindset works as well against this type of uh it's um it's kind of air raidy i guess it is i mean dykes is an air raid guy so ucfs is just tempo and either screens hitches or goes this is this has much more to it than that yeah um I think you'll see pressure from the linebackers. I don't think you're going to see them rush three and drop eight. I mean, I, I'm sure in some situations you, you could see that, but I don't think that's going to be – I don't see that as the scheme. I think, you know, from what we know of Marcus Freeman, he's not one to just sit back and twiddle his thumbs and, and let his team get picked apart, right? Like, no. So I, I think we will see pressure. It's just going to be interesting to see, like, where that pressure comes from. Um, and I, you know, I, because of everything, I, I was not at practice this week. It was open, but, uh, COVID outbreak and the Brendel household are, uh, kind of not, not on the same page yeah. <laughs> at the, at the moment. So, um, I did not get a chance to see kind of what he has cooking up for, uh, for this week, but it, it's going to be something it's always, always something. Right. Like we are to oh, yeah. the point I mean, now, if he doesn't do something that surprises you, you're, sh- you're surprised. Yeah. They're not just going to like roll in with some game plan. That's like, Oh yeah, we've used this before. There's no, no changes or yeah, this is what you saw like against one of the teams we've already played. Like, yeah, no, of course not. I mean, what, like Marcus had anything else to do for the last two weeks without having a game. <laughs> Ain't that the absolute truth? It, it, just, uh, just biding his time to be away from the six kids. Uh, I think yeah. that's probably why he's able to come up with all this stuff is he just, he goes and hides in his office and <laughs> becomes a mad scientist <laughs> working on something, honey. Sorry. I'll be, I'll be out for dinner in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in the Fickle's basement, uh, mind you. Right, right. Um, anything else you got on, on that side of the ball? Were you, were you surprised um, that Elijah Ponder was, was rated the number one defensive player in the country by Pro Football Focus so far this season? Are we, do we, are we getting like a Pro Football Focus like proximity bump? <laughs> we Maybe, maybe. Because like, I mean – Ponder, I'm not going to argue with any of it, but Ponder's graded as the best defensive player in the country. The Curtis Brooks has been like top defensive lineman before on PFF. Or PFF. Ponder's been one of the top defensive linemen one week. Our front Bush. seven, front seven is or was, you know, the in the top three of, you know, on PFF. They, the defensive backs were in there. They had some stat about how it'd be better for you to just throw the ball into the ground than to actually try to complete a pass. I don't know how that's so possible. Well, because it, the percentage that you throw an interception, yeah, like or take a sack. I don't know if that counts because it's not technically a throw. Um, it's negative yeah, rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, maybe we can get them to sponsor the podcast. They're they love the Bearcats apparently. Well, you're, you're downtown. 
your S and P plus loves the Bearcats defense uh, almost as much, if not more. SP plus does love the Bearcats defense fifth uh, overall right now, taking into account projections, which you have to do. Um, but if you took the projections away and just took it on what's happened this year, uh, that metric has them as the top defense and second best team in the country. Metrics are great. So yeah, <laughs> I love analytics. But this is when we find out, right? Like, I do laugh this- though, like when I'll post that stuff, like people will be like, "Oh, SP Plus is garbage," and I'm, I'm like, you, "You do know it's not a resume tool, right? Like, don't tweet me that it's garbage and then say, well, this team lost to this team.' Like that, it's a predictive measure. It has nothing to do with." Like who you be, <laughs> right? Right. But um, I mean, I I think that's about all I've got on uh, on that side of the ball. The, the so we'll flip flop, and you know the the always interesting thing in these games to me is when you have strength on strength, you have one of the top, you know, what is rated as one of the top five offenses in the country right now, going against what is rated as one of the top five defenses in the country right now. Everybody wants to talk about that. Understandably like that. I get it. That's the headline. Yeah, That's what, that's what grabs the headlines, but you've got an SMU defense. Go ahead. I, mean, I was just gonna say that's if one of the, I mean, it, you want to talk about that because if one of those units, has their way with the other one that you weren't expecting, then you get Alabama, Georgia. Right. So let's talk about the other side where Cincinnati has, has struggled at times offensively, not even really at times. They've just struggled offensively. SMU's defense, uh, not great. They've got some guys, you know, they've got some guys, their secondary has, has got some experience. They're better pretty than, bad. When I dug into the numbers, it's a little better than I thought, but it's still vulnerable in spots. Yeah. Um, so what what do you see here? As as I, I, first off, I think you know what we can't see, what has to stop, is the turnovers. Yeah, I mean, like I have three things, basically. One, two, three. Dez just can't be careless with the ball. You can't give this offensive SMU extra possessions. Um, and I don't necessarily have a problem with throwing an interception. I have a problem with like throwing two of the three interceptions he threw against USF. Like if you're trying to make a play or the defender just makes a great play. That's one thing, but like throwing across your body on the first drive, throwing late uh, to Lenny, like he can't make those plays. Like that just can't happen. They're not going to, I'm not going to say can't, but it's very hard to vision a win. If those types of plays are made, you cannot put the defense in the position that they put the defense in both against army and against USF. If you're going to get out of Dallas with a win. Well, like look back. I mean, I know we use this as like parallels, but like the UCF game last year, they didn't, they didn't give that offense 
the chance to like get going yeah off of a cheap turnover in a short field and then you get a three and out and then they score and there's 14 points in like two three minutes right like that can't happen two i he's got to run the ball more assertively like i think Outside of the careless turnovers, that's been my biggest dis- – I'm not even as disappointed with missing the throws. I just feel like he's been – I don't want to use the word timid because he's not hes not playing timid. He's been indecisive, and I don't know if that's the reads, if they're not calling as many designed runs for him. He's got to be a weapon that they have to maybe have someone spy – that they have to account for on every single play. And I don't think he's been that player this year. Like he has not been that threat to just take off and run, whether it's designed or, you know, on an unscripted type of situation. He just hasn't been that guy. No. And I don't know. I guess we're going to find out Saturday here. I don't know if it is a matter of, um, They haven't been calling a large number of RPOs, uh, you know, especially maybe against USF because Ben was out that, you know, maybe you're not calling a lot of RPOs in that situation just because you don't want to expose Des. Um, Or if it's a matter of, of Des just being a little, a little timid, a little hesitant because of what happened last year, not wanting to put himself, you know, in position to, to get hit. Uh, But that, that, can't happen because a huge portion of Desmond Ritter's effectiveness, a huge portion of why he is the starting quarterback is his ability to, to make defenses adjust to him having to, you know, have the, the ability to run the ball. And Dave, if I'm watching tape right now, I'm not worried about it. I'm sending that defensive end crashing down the line to stop the RPO. Uh, I'm not telling a linebacker stay at home for a beat to make sure Ritter doesn't have the ball because they've not shown on tape that he's going to do that yet. So maybe it's, uh, you know, Mike Denbrock's master, uh, master plan coming into play here where they didn't need to do it, but I, you know, I don't necessarily buy that. And I'm going to repeat something I, I, I've said on radio a couple times today. It's it's your it's your man Marvin Lewis. See better see, than you hear. And, and until we see Desmond Ritter being more of a factor with his legs, I, I wouldn't devote a ton of uh, my game plan to it. And if you don't have to devote a ton of your game plan to it, then you're going to have a hard time getting your running backs going, even against a defense that has struggled some against the run. Um, And then, you know, that makes things a lot more difficult in the passing game. He just has to find himself in the running game right now. It is critical for him to figure that out. For sure. I mean, that's, that's probably one of the biggest, you know, my biggest key from an offensive standpoint. And then the third thing I had is the rush defense is giving up 170 yards a game. 3.9 yards to carry, but again, I kind of broke it down a little bit deeper. Against North Texas, they gave up four yards of carry, 212 total. The leading rusher had over 100. Against Tulane, it was 4.1. 
The leading rusher had 132 and averaged 6-9 a carry. So there were some some runs in there from other people, you know, that kind of skewed that number down. And then against Memphis, who probably has similar running backs to UC and runs them out of a somewhat similar fashion, they they gashed him. 5.4 carry, 205 total, and the leading rusher had 98 and averaged 6.1 a carry. I got to see just bully ball. Like, you've been off two weeks. The dude from Tulsa was chirping. You didn't get a chance to go play them. And now you get a shot against, you know, probably what you would consider you and them to be the two best teams in the conference, you know, at their place. And you haven't played in since the beginning of October. I want to see some nasty crap of dudes just like lining up straight ahead, get out of my way type run offense. If that's not there, they're not going to win because they're, they're not going to be able to just, I mean, regardless of how great Des plays, I don't envision them throwing it throw for throw with SMU. So they're going to have to be in that over around 200 yard average quality yards per carry, eat the clock, keep SMU off the field. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, this I, is going to have to be a game they run the ball. I mean, there's no question about that. So um, I think another thing that, that is important here, and this is kind of a, a combination of, of both sides of the ball, third down is going to be huge. Because if you're giving SMU third and shorts, they're going to convert. They, they have too many yeah. weapons, too much, too much field to guard. Um, you've got to keep them in third and seven, third and six. Uh, and then for Cincinnati, you can't continuously be second and nine, third and eight, like third and seven. We have not seen this team consistently yet this year showed the ability to play in front of the chains consistently. Um, no, it, that, it can't be first down run for three incomplete pass, incomplete pass or, punt, you know, right, throw right. short of the sticks or whatever. Because then you're playing right into their hands. They're not great against the run. You're not you're not able to run because you're in, you know, longer yardage situations. Your quarterback's been shaky. So yeah, I mean they have. It's a, it's a, such a well yeah no kidding type of thing. But like first down, for both sides, offensively and defensively, you know, you 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 have great conversion rates on third down because you're really good at on first down. No one's like right. going 10 to 15 on third down with a bunch of third downs that are seven yards and longer. No. Here's the other thing I worry about Dave. And I've been asked about this a ton today. It's the number one question everybody leads with or the number two question everybody leads with. And they ask about this team in rust. Um, I'm not overly concerned about the rust as much as I'm concerned with they started like crap against army and they started like crap against USF. And if they start like crap against SMU, you're going to be down 20 to seven at, at the end of the first quarter. It's funny you brought that up because this is one of my notes. First quarter points, SMU last three, North Texas, 21, Memphis 17, Tulane 10. So they've shown the ability to start fast. Yeah. Now, granted, I would not 
take any of those defenses to be anywhere near as good as GC's. But like Memphis's offense, Memphis's offense is much is much better. I'm not. I don't think we're like breaking news or, or speaking out of turn with that. Um, um, but here's the thing: a lot of yeah, a lot you can't of, just like be like, oh yeah, we'll just like we'll let the defense settle in, we'll run the ball a little bit, and see where we come, see where the chips fall in the fourth quarter. They've also turned the ball over early a lot. You had two out of three the first three drives against. Uh, Army were turnovers. Um, you had what two out of the first three drives, or two, the first two drives against USF were turnovers. You had the uh, the terrible decision by Dez to try to force the ball to McClellan, and then you had the the Dokes fumble. The, the, you mean the whiffed block? Yeah. Still, no. You're that right. was Army. Still. That was Army. Was the whiffed block? USF. Yeah. USF. No. No. Out. USF was the whiffed block too. Dokes on fumbled Dokes, the whiff. Yeah, yeah. You still got to hold on to that ball. Like, come on. Um, yeah, and he I mean, would, and he would tell you that. Sure, but, but but that's four turnovers. You know, if you go the first three drives of the Army game, the first two drives of the USF game, that's four turnovers and five drives. Well, they turned Chad. They've turned the ball over on the first drive of the game, two straight games. Yeah. Like I don't give a <laughs> sh- shoot. How good your defense is. Eventually, <laughs> eventually that burns you and you're down seven nothing. Luckily, it did Army, against Army. Well, but that's a different animal, I think. Like, well, it's you're not. It's different both ways because neither of those teams had a chance against UC's defense. No, that's what I'm saying. Like this one does, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, you know, I don't. Yeah, it's just you can't. The offense has to come out. And at least, I mean, at least punt the ball. <laughs> right, right. You've got one of the top five punters in the country. Like, you know, if you're not going to get first downs, you got to at least get it to his foot. Yeah. You, you would think. I mean, you would hope. What's the old corny line? End every possession with a kick? I mean. Yeah. Um, Speaking so of I've kicking. Got, mm-hmm. SMU is not a good punting team. Okay, I mean, they don't they don't have to punt much, do they? Uh, they've punted they've punted a decent amount, but their their kicker is also their punter. He's a much better kicker than he is punter. He's only they're only averaging thirty under thirty five yards net on punting. Um, and then kick kick and kick return. There could be some hidden stuff there too. I mean, special teams. We know how much how important it is to UC. I can't possibly speak on how important it is to SMU, um, but in a game like this, that I mean, that could be the that could be the deciding factor. And yeah. UC has has a couple areas. I mean, if they if the defense is strong, they're going to more times than not probably get the ball back in pretty good field position, given that. Yeah, that punting, that net punting average by SMU is like bottom because of how many teams haven't played yet. That's like bottom 15 in the country. Yeah, 35, 35 a kick is not good at all. No. Has it, have they, how's it, how have they been on giving up returns? Is it just a, a bad punter or are they, been, have they been, is this a, a, an opportunity where we might see Ryan Montgomery find some hidden yards? 
No, he could. De- I mean, I would think so because if you're only kicking the ball 35 yards, you're not kicking it very high. Yeah. Unless you just Unless hit, that's you all kick, you're doing. You're kicking moonshots. Kick it straight up and make them fair. I mean, I didn't. I did not look at their. Uh, I did not look at their punt return defense. I looked at their kick return defense because UC's kickoff return is number four in the country, and SMU's kickoff defense is 19. So, yeah, that's still good. Um, and SMU's kickoff returns 40th. UC's is like pretty bad because they gave up that one really long kickoff return to USF, but and it skews the average because they no one scored on them, so they came right. <laughs> You know, or they've scored, but not that much in in, two, in the last two games. So there hasn't been that many return opportunities. And again, these numbers are too, they're out of whack because you have some teams like Air Force is like number one in the country at something, I think rushing yards allowed because they've played one game and they gave up 42 yards. Yeah. Where like other teams have played five or six. So you have a lot of skewed in just like looking at you know, stats, so to speak. Um, I guess we will address the fact that uh, Jeremy Cooper put on his Instagram that he would be watching the game from home. Um, he is a name that, uh, while UC has not confirmed, he is a name that I have heard was in the system, uh, you know, tracing, dating back to the cancellation last week. Uh, so I would say his Instagram post was accurate and that he will be watching the game from home. Um, I, but I think, you know, look, I think Coop has been solid, but we've talked about, you know, them wanting to get, uh, improved play at guard. I would guess, uh, Colin Woodside would get that look at left guard. If not, it would be Dylan O'Quinn. I think that's, you know, surprisingly, that is one area where they have um, started to stockpile some talent because you can go Woodside, you can go O'Quinn. We heard about John Williams there uh, through camp where he was getting a look at guard. Um, we've got, you got Marcelo Mendiola that, that could give you reps there at guard who was uh, on the two deep last year. So um you, you hate to lose a, a starting offensive lineman, but there are at least uh, able and capable bodies that I think can, can jump in for Jeremy Cooper. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to downplay it because yeah, like you said, you don't want to lose any starter. They're a starter for a reason. Like I'm not, I don't want to just gloss over it, but at the same time, I mean, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that, they haven't run the ball, especially between the tackles, as well as we expected. Um, so, you know, maybe it's a push. Uh, the offensive line has pass blocked incredibly yes. well. So you, you never know there. Um, but I don't think it is some, like, monumental, like, oh, my God, they're going to expose us. They're just going to, like, run roughshod over whoever yeah. is, is doing that James, type of thing. It's not James Hudson missing for this game. No. That would be a much different uh, a much different story. Yes. 
It would. So um, I, I think when, and I'm guessing we'll see a list of names that, that are not in Dallas for the Bearcats. Um, I think if you go to the 2020 recruiting class page, <laughs> I think you'll find a lot of those names there. Well, I think that is the impetus of why it appeared that Coach Fickle was slightly perturbed this week that last week's game was canceled because maybe he had an inkling that the vast majority of the possible positive tests came from student athletes that might not have even made the trip. I think they probably all would have made the trip. Uh, I think other than maybe some special teams, uh, you would not have seen many of them. I'll, 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 it'll make more sense on Saturday night. Let's just leave like it we, at that. I feel like we should, we, we beat around the bush pretty good there. I mean, yeah. fill in how you will. Couple that with us saying last week that, you know, some mistakes were uh, some errors in judgment were made in terms of how to handle the bye week. And it wasn't by guys that uh, have been through bye weeks before. Do you think Coach Fickle will send Tulsa's president a Christmas card? He is partially uh, the Tulsa president. And no, I don't. And I also don't (laughs) think. I also don't think there are some people that used to work in Providence, Rhode Island, that now work in Dallas, that he's he's happy he's not happy with some of those people either. I yeah. think the plug the plug was pulled on that game uh, rather quickly, and uh, UC did not have an opportunity to show that they had the situation contained. And I think more than anything, that's that's what perturbs the football coach. And again, if you watch that press conference, it is more evidence that there is no more, uh, there's no bigger football guy than Luke Fickle. Like, I don't care. I don't care if I got 30 guys out. It's my job to go coach the game and win the game. I mean, I could not have loved that (laughs) more. You knew that was going to be his, like, I'm not hiding behind it. We had a bunch of guys test positive. We had a bunch of guys test positive, but it's our job to go coach the damn game. Yeah, that's why you recruit. That's all you develop. I mean, uh, it's understandable if you have like three offensive linemen. That's one thing. But like if the vast majority of the contact tracing or the positives are guys that weren't really going to play, well, you know, his his point is, well, I got my team. These are my guys. Let's go. Interesting point from Rocky Boyman a little bit ago. I want to get your your opinion on this. Uh, everybody's asking about the layoff, you know, how, how much rust will there be? Um, we had a team in the NFL that had an extended layoff, right? They ran rough shot. You, you, you don't, you don't think he might've called his best friend to get some, some tips on that. Do you No. Fill the, not. fill the people in, fill the people in. Oh, so the Titans were not very COVID protocol compliant. They were having (laughs) secret workouts at Montgomery Bell Academy in Nashville, which is a high school in suburban Nashville. And they had a very nice high school. Oh yeah. Several nice, several several positives on the football team, on the staff, personnel staff, whatever off several weeks. 
came back, beat the ever-living dog piss out of the Bills. And you know Fickle talked to him, to Mike Vrabel, who... Best friends. Best friends. You know, a long, long time ago. A long, long time ago, next defensive coordinator at the University of Cincinnati. (laughs) He kind of skipped that step, I think. Kind of skipped that step. Um, But... I definitely t- definitely talked to him for sh- I mean 100%. The other thing I've thought about is they've played three home games with yep. family and friends in attendance. Yeah. There will be fans at this game. There will. Do is it 25%? That, it's like 7500. Yeah. Is that actually a benefit to UC? Because now they don't have to worry probably worry about like bringing our own juice because that was evidently a problem against USF. Yeah. I didn't think it was against army. That was a top 25 team coming in. Uh, pretty easy to motivate yourself. I don't know how much of a factor it will be against SMU. Like you're number nine, they're number 16. Um, I don't but it's still think like that... something you haven't yeah, had yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're yeah, going to yeah. have like that increase just of adrenaline, like, you run out, people boo you. Like they run out, they're playing music, people are cheering. Unlike, you know, you run out and you can get, right. hear your mom going, Go get him, honey. Like, you know, at home games. So is there, not that it's like going to be the deciding factor, but like, I think that actually kind of helps them deal with the layoff. Yes, yeah, it's I, a, yes they're the 16th team and you're fired up to play and because of that. And it's, to move up in the rankings and to be, you know, be in first place in the league, assert yourself or whatever. But like that aspect of it, they haven't had yet. So, yeah. And you know, the way that the coaches are like, the, these guys are probably frothing to play a game right now. And specifically the character and the personality that we know Des Ritter to be like, he has to be like, He's wanting to play this game more than probably anybody. That worries me maybe a little bit. I think you're right, but we've seen him. If it does, like if it starts well, then he's feeling himself and it's fine. Like, you know, coming off the bye last, last year against Marshall and all of a sudden everybody was complaining about him. And then, you know, he goes out and he was just phenomenal in that game. Um, but if, you know, there's a mistake or two early, we have seen the 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 burden of that weigh Daz down pretty heavily as well. Yeah. Is this was Marshall first road game last year? I meant to look this up earlier because they're wearing the same unis. This so is it, it first road game last year. first road game last year, first road game this year. I don't remember, but I, I can uh not that, I can look that it has up. anything to do with how you play, but it's just a, a you know a fun little thing. Well, see, that's but, the other thing, and and we've talked about this for for years, Dave. This team has has continued to not play their best football on the road in the Luke Fickle era. Um, and I worry about that, especially. No, they played um at Ohio State. Oh, I don't remember we, the that game. We forget that game. Yeah, that that game's erased <laughs> from memory. Yes. Um, Never mind that. 
but no, uh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Dave Marshall was their first road game last yes, year. Just inner interstate scrimmage, right? Right, right, right. practice game. Right. But um, I, I have a. I don't know. Maybe this is me. Just I'm the I'm an eternal optimist. I have a feeling yeah, Des is yeah, going to play are. pretty. I'm gonna. I have a feeling Des is going to play pretty good. I have a I have a good feeling about his performance, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, what I say now has no bearing on how he plays, so I don't really care. I like your confidence. I, I do think uh, he is obviously due for a good game. <laughs> he has Alec Pierce back, presumably. Um, from everything I've heard, he is he has been good to go in practice. Uh, they brought him along a little slow last week, so maybe for Alec it was probably good that that game didn't happen in terms of getting him at uh, at 100% for the rest of the way. Um, but I think all of a sudden, Dave, if, if you've got Alec Pierce on one side, Michael Young on the other, Jay Sean Jackson in the slot, and then, you know, Wiley or Taylor or, or even Bruno at tight end, with that stable of running backs, all of a sudden your weapons are starting to come together, right? Well, yeah, it's never been a question. I don't think it's been a question about the weapons. I just think they've been missing. They've, they haven't run the ball as well as maybe we expected. Uh, I'm not saying they've ran it poorly. Maybe our expectations going from Mike Warren to this trio were, you know, off a little bit i'm not sure but um or maybe it just they, maybe it just takes time for those guys to get in a rhythm when they've never been asked to to be that important before sure and it's been a weird off season and a weird start to the year and uh, just kind of like is my whole thing with like the whole season is going to be weird as shit just win the games as whatever way you can i mean i know that goes every year but like this year is just weird and teams are going to lose and teams are that you don't expect to win are going to win. And because of all this nonsense. So just figure it out. <laughs> all right. I mean, we have spent 50 minutes talking about this game. I don't, I didn't, I didn't feel the need really to talk about anything else. Uh, this is a monster game. Basketball season still doesn't start for a month and there's not a, a lot of info coming out of that yet. So uh, I thought this game warranted the full podcast. I think we've uh, we've provided a, a quality look at what this podcast there, what this football game will look like on both sides of the football. I have, I have a basketball question. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. I don't I don't want your score. But what is the mood going to be in the Simone household at like 1230, one o'clock in the morning, Saturday night or Sunday morning? Um. going to be a mood of jubilation jubilation you're gonna be tired that's way past your bedtime oh yeah i've got a i've got a i've got a i've got to figure something out for myself dave because i'm gonna be expected to uh to be coherent for a post-game zoom with the head coach uh, which we've never really had to do before. Put, put me on it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So uh, do I, am I, am I supposed to, to not have a few beverages while watching this game? Is that, is that unprofessional? Just have Justin ask your questions. This, this question comes from Chad. <laughs> we know Chad, in, Chad in Northern Kentucky wants to know. Chad in Independence wants to know, and I'll just have the video on going. <laughs> hey coach, what, what happened? What happened on that third down in the fourth quarter? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but no, I'm uh in the last time got, we had a game, the last time we had a game in that like this kind of late, like we we did a podcast afterwards. So that was Dave that was the, the start of Dave After Dark. It was the start of and Dave the After start Dark. Of, hashtag sorry Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the legendary Bearcat Journal podcasts. So we might have, you know, if the Bearcats come out of out of Dallas with a win, we might have to oh, fire it back crap. up. Oh boy! <laughs> I mean, I'm, thing is, it's not like I'm going to turn the game off, and be like, "Oh, good, good game, guys," and go right to sleep. Yeah, you're not wrong. And with the uh, the modern technology, uh, you know, we could just hit the Zoom machine and take off for. You know, th those are shorter. They're, we're not. We wouldn't do an hour. No, no. I'll, I'll bring the computer day. outside, fire up the victory cigar, like I did in Nashville when they beat UCLA, and drop some f bombs. That's right. <laughs> 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 let let us know in the thread if uh, if 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 you see a winner, do we have to fire up a Dave after dark? Maybe oh, that's my excuse, Dave. I yeah, couldn't I gotta, do. I got to record a podcast. I couldn't do the post game zoom with Fickle. We had Dave. I had to do Dave after dark before he blacked out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, you got the Bearcats, I assume. Yeah, I'm gonna have the Bearcats. I got. I, I mean, if it's not Bama or Ohio State, I, I got to see someone put some pull one over on Marcus Freeman in this defense. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think uh, like I know the competition has it like, you know, Army, Austin P, USF, whatever. They're dominating, dominating performances. Yeah, so, just, just the other and, team can't you know, move the ball. Like we've talked about, you want to talk analytics, and some people love it, some people take them, leave them, whatever. The, the teams they've played and who those teams are are not factored in to these numbers. Right. It is how their defense is doing on an adjusted tempo and predictive basis. And the predictive basis says they're dominant. Now, the predictive SP, basis. SP plus predicted UC would win this game 28-27. See, that's where I think this uh, this game for Cincinnati to win needs to be in the upper 20s. Very Same thing as the 30s. UCF game last yeah. year. Yeah, the, the this is a game that if SMU is up around 35-plus. Uh, it's 35-plus. I don't like their chances, but I don't I, – again, like I said, show me an offense outside of Bama and Ohio State that's going to score five or more touchdowns on this defense. Clemson. Unless the offense gives them, gives them, you know, short short fields or a turnover for for points, something like that. So you've got this defense shutting down Trevor Lawrence. 
Well, okay. Playoffs. No. <laughs> and Clemson. You know what oh, I mean. Anybody I outside know. of the elite, elite. Well, I had to. I had to get that in. Like you know, they're playing Clemson in the playoffs, and you know, yeah, Dave's making a week week yeah. seven well, prediction. Bearcat <laughs> Journal blogger does not include Clemson with Ohio State and Alabama's offense. <laughs> All right, what's your basketball question? Uh, I, 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 well, our predictions will be out. I, I'm thinking maybe we put that out Saturday morning this week. Yeah, I totally so we, forgot we were doing this day behind. Like, I haven't even thought about writing that up and saying it to you, but I can still get it to you tomorrow. Yeah, I'm just thinking since we have, you know, the entire day on Saturday, we'll give people something to read uh, on Saturday with that. Because we also have, we'll have the, with this podcast, um, Brent's, uh, preview article went up today. We'll have the week, uh, week eight article or whatever it is, uh, from, from Eric. Uh, we've also got, uh, five questions, the know your foe deal with, uh, Bill Embody that runs the SMU site for 24 seven. So we've got content to get us through tomorrow. Um, I think the prediction deal would be a, a good, a good thing to run uh, Saturday morning. Yeah, nine o'clock for a football game is going to feel like three days. We're going to get to seven, and I'm going to be like, "What are we doing here?" I got another like, crappy Big Ten game I have to watch before our game starts. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to. I might Saturday might be a two nap day just to make the day go. <laughs> right, like one nap might not be enough to get me to nine o'clock. I'm going to want to get into some shit. Sorry, Dan. Uh, with that much time before the yeah. game. It's going to be hard to just like sit there and not <laughs> twiddle your, yeah. Twiddle your thumbs waiting for nine. It's going to, it's going to be hard not to be passed out by nine and nine. I'm just kidding. But uh, that's the kind of day that you're looking at. So it, you know, it might be a two nap day. You can take a nap while Alabama massacres Tennessee at three 30. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, if, if we're strategically thinking this, I'm thinking, like, a second-quarter nap for the noon games and then another second-quarter nap for the 3.30 games. Because yeah, Ohio State will be hammering Nebraska, you know, by yeah. about 1.15. Sleep till, like, one th- fifteen to 3.30 and then, like, 4.30 to 6. Maybe not even 6. You might only need a power nap for the second one, right? You might only need. I don't know. I couldn't tell you the last time I took a nap, let alone two in one day. (laughs) I I work on very, very little sleep. I do too. That's why I need nap. You go to bed early. I go to bed at like one thirty, two o'clock every morning. That's when I wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I I I think if the Bearcats can can keep them under thirty, I think Cincinnati wins. so we'll see how that plays out Saturday morning in the uh, in the prediction article. Um, you had a basketball question. Let's yeah. do that before we how get out of here. How do you practice basketball wearing a mask? It's a great question. I have no idea. That that, that I, video I today. I struggle to grocery shop with a mask <laughs> without coming out like sweat all in my beard. Like, oh, yeah. The beard is like. I think it's it's part good, part bad because it does. I got a, I got a hat on and I'm sweating there. I'm sweating in the like how how are you running up and down the court wearing a mask? It also you have to think though is going to increase your uh, your stamina for when you're playing real games without one, right? Sure. 
<laughs> like, I just, why, why can you, why do you have to wear one while you practice? But like, if they practiced today and had a game Saturday, they wouldn't have to wear it. I, I don't know. Here, I'll throw this at you. Um, I was I was talking with Brian Snow last night. I know, and people think less of me for that. They just um, turned off the podcast. At least you put this at the end. <laughs> if you're a basketball coach, with the the way things are going, um, do you do you the first time you get a positive COVID test right now? Do you like force everybody into the same room for like three hours and just knock it out like one time? <laughs> well, do they still have that rule that like if anybody in your like direct party, it's like twenty one days? It's at least fourteen, up to twenty one. Yeah, and that could be manager, like yeah. SI, like it's not just team. You want to know what I've heard is uh, causing a serious issue with this uh, the MTE bubble situation in Orlando. What? Apparently, if you go down there and you have one person in your travel party pop positive, while you're there, you're out. You just you got to leave. Are you, you got to leave? You're on a two week vacation and then you go home. No, you got to leave. You ain't got to go home. You just got to get a, you got to get the ass out of here. Yeah, you're out. <laughs> so you could go down there and not play any games and not have anybody on your team test positive. Yeah, because and if I, you're like in a four team deal, yeah, and you were supposed to play a team, and then they had the guy test positive, so you're not playing them. And you like, play the other two teams like round robin. I, you would, I guess, yeah. At least they, at least they figured all this out in like the nine months they've had since yeah. football made a you know shit show of this whole thing back whenever that was. Yeah, we are uh, we are four weeks from the start of four and a half weeks from the start of the season. Who do we play and in our first game, Chad? No idea. <laughs> I, we only know one game. Like I know what the, you know. I, I have a pretty good idea on what they're. We got a game to- on December sixth. Other than that, no idea. Everybody is. Everything is still so up in the air. Like you're not seeing. Anybody, it would be one thing if you know five or six or 10 or 15 or 20 other teams are starting to announce their out of conference schedules. Notice that we've seen reports from Goodman and, and Nerdlander and some of those got Norlander, sorry, Norlander. Um, and some of those guys, we haven't seen any teams releasing anything. On their out of conference schedule. All I know is I don't ever want to see a basketball guy on the Twitter make fun of a football team scheduling a game (laughs) in 2035 ever again. (laughs) Here's the other thing I wondered how much are we going to see? We've seen this a little bit in football, especially the first like three or four weeks of the season. How much are we going to see games just being scheduled like on a Tuesday that are being played on a Thursday? You know? Like, hey, yeah. this we lost this game, so they lost. We lost this game, and this team lost this game, so uh, we're gonna play each other uh, Saturday at six, and it's like Wednesday at at three thirty. This, I mean, what what if I set an over under on average number of games played for each team 
Where do you like 20, 20.5 is what I'm thinking. 27 is where it's supposed to be. Uh, I would probably still go over that. I mean, that's, that would mean a quarter of your schedule doesn't happen. But again, you're talking about, you are at the mercy of what, like, if you have one, if you have one guy on a team pop, that team's out for 14 days. Yeah. That's a pretty big window of knowing that, you know, well, that's, teams teams generally play four games in two, every two could, weeks. Right, that could be a five game stretch. We've seen, you know, a three. We've seen him play three games in in a week before. Yeah, generally you play two games a week. Right. So if let's say you have one one positive situation, that costs you four games. So here's my question: is like in football. One of your guys test positive, you're you're done 14 days. What happens like four days later if then another guy tests positive? Are you still in that initial 14 days? Or are you now another like are you tacked on like another week, another 14 I, days? I think it's another 14 days. Just like 14, like it's well, like every it time depend- there's lightning, it's 30 more minutes you can't get in the pool. So- I guess it would <laughs> depend on. I guess it would depend on the contact that had been had in like. So if you have one pop positive for 14 days, everybody's supposed to quarantine. If somebody else pops positive four days later, everybody's been quarantining for those four days. Hypothet- like, you know, you would think. So I would guess it would still be the original 14 days, except for the positive, and that, that guy would be 14 days. And anybody <laughs> he's around would be 14 days. Like, It should be all the guys that weren't, positive on quarantine the first time that's why i'm saying dave you you get one guy pop positive tomorrow you get everybody in a room and you have them like sing karaoke for three hours Somebody like because of the multiple games and and the way that they have this set up somebody's not playing a game for a month yeah Yeah. it's gonna happen to someone like if 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 houston hasn't played a didn't play a football game for like a month and they're only supposed to play one game a week. Right. And these guys are supposed to travel and go to class and practice and do – some team is, like, not playing until the middle of January. Yeah. Or they're they're not playing from the start of January until, like, the, the beginning of February. How many teams are not going to be in the, in the NCAA tournament? Like, what if you get uh, – if you're the number one seed and you get a positive test on Selection Sunday, you're out. <laughs> does the eight seed, does the like, does the sixteen seed auto advance, or do they pick that, a new? Yeah. They move everybody up a seed line, and you get a new sixteen seed. That's a great question. It's gonna be it's gonna be so wild. Or do you have a playoff for that spot? Like your sixty seventh and sixty eighth team, or whatever. 69th <laughs> right. Teams they play each other to get into the tournament. Then it's going to be a why wild am, deal. Why am I not in charge of college basketball? That's what I just figured out. <laughs> it would be so much better, so entertaining. Like, I mean, seriously though, if you're corn, if you're out 14 days, what you're happens? Out. You're out. But I know, but like, you just play the tournament. Like, as they they advance just automatically. I guess so. Yeah, if the bracket is set. I mean, I'd be fine with that. I just want someone to come out and say that. Like, 
I don't think they've made those. Like they can't even get they can't even get game schedule for the the, the first day of the season, Dave. We well, don't even know who in charge of the tournament. It's the NCAA. They're not going to decide this shit until like late February. <laughs> Basketball is going to be wild, bro. Wild. <laughs> it's going to be wild. Something. It is going to be a wild ride. You should be able to dictate two players on the other team that have to wear a mask during the game. (laughs) He he looks sketchy. We're worried about him. Yeah. We need him to mask up. I saw his Instagrams the other day, and I don't trust him. He was not not social distancing properly in his Instagram live. We're going to need him to mask up. Basketball's. I'm telling you, uh, just from the conversations I'm having with people. Yeah, all these people are wild right. Getting canceled, the worst thing. These football games getting canceled, the worst things ever. I'm like, did you not think that this was this was going to be part of it? Like, I think it's been incredibly more successful than than you probably expected. Like, just the fact that they're playing as, as many games as they have played. Yeah. I mean, but you're also dealing with 105 guys, right? You got, well, yeah. I mean, you got more guys that can get, you know, held out, but you have more guys that can still play. Like, you know, right? Basketball, man. The way this this all sounds, unless unless some regulations are loosened up, or you know, but I mean, we're we're spiking the highest numbers yet across the country. So there's going to be a lot of positive cases that, that come into play during flu and cold season, uh, which is also basketball season, um, staying away from the, 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 the political or whatever aspect of this, there are going to be a number oh, of sure. positive tests. And if it shuts down a team for two weeks, every time there's one positive test, I have no clue how basketball season uh, works, but I can guarantee you one thing, Dave, they are not going two years without an NCAA tournament. No, I, no I chance. Find, well, no chance. I mean, if they did that, the NCAA would be broke. Yeah, I mean, they can't afford not to do it. Again, the NCAA gets no money from football. Literally zero dollars from football. All of their money comes from the men's basketball tournament. And two years without the men's basketball tournament is a death sentence for the they NCAA. They get some money because of FCS and divisions and the yeah, TV. Yeah, well, I'm talking it's money, not, money. It's I'm not right. Money. It's not enough to keep an organization like that afloat. I'm talking sure. sustainable money. Sure. This this basketball tournament will be played. I have no clue how it's going to work, but it's going to happen one way or another. All right, that's all I got. You got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, watch party this week. I, I I haven't heard how they're going to exactly handle it at the Holy Grail. I know they're they have to stop serving at ten. Uh, they're allowed to be open until eleven. I, I know. I don't want to get you started on this. Um, <laughs> so if you want to go watch the first half, I guess. Uh, hit up the Holy Grail. Um, 
from there, you know, get back home, listen to the halftime report with Mo Egger, and uh, head back home. Dave wants to have an explosion right now, but no, I'm fine. I'm I'm done with it all. <laughs> you're done with it all. Yeah, you're I'm out. Whatever. You're- whatever at this point yeah <laughs> you've lost your you've lost your passion to fight yeah what what do you think of uh the the FC Cincinnati folks acting surprised that they weren't allowed to have fans inside a stadium that uh UC is not allowing fans for their own games who um the so- the 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 footy ball kick kickball team that's uh they've got people they've got were, one people were surprised that you see not having fans and for their first three games wouldn't be the same for them. Yes. Is this like they, the organization, the organization or the fans? The, the, well, the organization, I released a press release. Like we really were looking forward to having fans for our final match inside Nippert stadium. But those folks that you see uh, aren't allowing, are allowing us to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no crap. <laughs> I, won't, I won't even say anything on that. Because that would have gone over really well. FCC has fans uh, inside Nippert on uh, October 28th. And then UC says no uh, three for, later. for three days later. Come on. Give me a break. Again, who's written and who's owning? Right. Get out. This is their last. This is it. They it, are no longer. Mentality. We could spend a whole podcast on that mentality if we wanted to, but why bother? But I mean, who's written and who's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the squatters are gone here in a couple of weeks, two weeks. So I know we have a lot of FCC fans that, that are also UC fans, but if you knew some of the stuff behind more games this year than they have, haven't they? (laughs) Uh, Not yet, but. I, I mean, they won three. Are they? I are think they, FC is, is. Are they only at two? I have. I have no clue. I just. I assumed they stink. Uh, they won three, three or four, I think. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm, I. I follow it when I have to for work. When I. When I. When I get paid to, the big bucks to talk into the microphone <laughs> yeah. in Kenwood. The big bucks to talk yeah. soccer. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hopefully we are uh, back on schedule on Wednesday next week and talking about a win and the Memphis Tigers come into town for a potential revenge game uh, with the uh, if, if, let's, hypothetical. If they win the number seven UC Bearcats, six. I don't, I don't know because I don't even know who's like – now that the Big Ten teams are back, I think everybody in front of them is actually playing, but I don't know – outside of Bama, because they're, they're playing UT, I don't know who's playing who. So I haven't really even looked at that. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. Dave, thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk soon. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.